purse cutters and embezzloids. Hide your chive from the clumsy coppers. Put on your softest daisy roots. And if you get caught by a spook, just grease his duke. I'm not going to lie. It's time to talk tall to me. That's under oath. (laughs) Everything I say on this podcast is truth. We have a judge present at all times. (laughs) Welcome back. I am Omen Thomas Sade. And I am Nick McGill. Together we are the Feckless Moans. And this, my little fibs, is Talk Tall to Me. A counterfeit dead drop in the dimly lit alleyways of prog rock in which Neddy Nark Nick and open up the safe with a crowbar Omen will gently shake down every single track that bona fide 24 karat gold rock band Jethro Tull has ever stuck with a spark prop and flaunted down Marleybone High Street. We will go a-boosting with Martin Barr's bamboozling Bigsby, purloin the pedals of David Pocket Monkey Peg, and employ the Jerry Conway cacophony to cover the crash of our carjacking. And if we can keep our fingers nimble and our footsteps light, we may finally gain the recognition of the fluting Fagin, the sprat-squeezing Scotsman, the fast-talking Filchmaster, a man so rich in words he only ever steals from himself. Ian, I think you dropped something. Anderson. <laughs> that was really good. You like that? That was really good. The alliteration leading up was good, and then the Ian was mwah, icing on the cake. Thank Very you. Nice. I'm glad you liked that. Fun fact, did you know that the word bamboozle comes to English by way of the Romani people from Sanskrit? Oh, I feel like I may have heard that at one point, but if you had asked me prior to you telling me that, there is no way that I would have known it. Uh-huh. What's the etymology? Is there, is, or is it literally just that? I don't know. I didn't look that deeply into it. You disappoint me. I, st- I stopped after Sanskrit. I was like, that's good enough for me. Good enough. That's, a, that's enough of a little nugget. Yeah. But English is such a slutty language. Oh my God, it got around. It still gets around. It still gets around. Nick, speaking of slutty, what song are we listening to and then talking tall about this week here on Talk Tall to Me, the podcast by the Feckless Moms? We are talking about the second to last of our broadsword bonus tracks today we are going to discuss honest girl honest goyle honest goyle honest moyle (laughs) (laughs) i cut it all off i swear it's a two for one deal (laughs) bring a friend (laughs) all right well without further ado let's have a listen to honest girl let us listen honestly honestly Honestly. Honestly, let's listen. Nick. Omen. There goes an honest girl. Or does there? Does there. Was that the first time you heard this one? No, I heard it uh, about an hour and a half ago in the bathroom. (laughs) What was it doing in there? (laughs) It it wouldn't tell me. (laughs) Looks shady, though. 
So that was basically the second time you've heard it, yeah? Yes. Yeah, and okay. really the first time I've, I've listened in a focused manner to it. Mm-hmm. Thoughts? Yes, absolutely. You have them. I do. This is amazing. So in Silent Singing, mm-hmm. this is described as released on Broadsword Box Set 40th Anniversary 2022, early 2023, demo from Broadsword Sessions 1981-1982. My first thought is the fact that this is a demo track? Yeah, it's pretty solid. Is amazing. I mean, listening to it, I'm like, oh, oh yeah, it's it's interesting. You can hear a couple little things you wouldn't normally hear in a track off of a, a full release. Yeah. But I love all that stuff. There's some really interesting, in the opening 10 seconds or so, you have PJV doing some delightful stuff on the synth. Mm-hmm. And behind it, there's almost some, what I would describe as, as sonic ephemera. You can hear maybe it's David Pegg, you know, adjusting his position in the in his seat, or right. You can hear Jerry Conway adjusting a stick in such a way that it just it just glances off something and provides that little creak. Yes, studio sound. Studio sounds, which I find delightful. It's yeah, but you wouldn't normally hear that kind of stuff. No, if that's really all it takes to be. Just to clean up those little if pieces the and then it's like, right. it's a studio song, you know, maybe that's how Tull does their demos. The only th- other thing I can think of is at the very, very end when he's starting to repeat, there goes an honest girl. There's one point where he misses the there, I think, and it starts with goes an honest girl. Uh-huh. Yes. He stutter steps. I don't know if that's intentional or if that's one of those moments where he's like, oh, God damn it, I messed up the mandolin again. Let's let's try again, you know. Oh, fuck, sorry. There are a number of moments like that. There is a mm-hmm. moment where it sounds like Jerry Conway puts in one extra beat or doesn't put in a mm-hmm. beat that should be there in a way that doesn't sound as intentional as as when you're like, ooh, that, that's a little jazz. Yeah, okay. And the other thing about this is that the overall... Tempo feels weirdly slow to me. It does. It's very trudgy. It's very, very trudgy. Which is not a bad thing, but it is surprising to me in the sense that most times when we hear a Tull song, I'm not saying that we haven't heard songs this slow from Tull. I think what I'm saying is usually if you if there's a song that has this level of molassesness. It usually is a molesticity. Molesticity, thank you. Yeah. It's a little faster, you know. It's a little bit more. Yeah, this feels like they were playing it just a hair slow, so that they could play it accurately, so that they could have the demo. Mm, okay, yeah, yeah. There is an arduousness to it that it's like, okay, here we go. <laughs> and yet, that does not get in the way of my enjoyment of it. I wonder if I can play it at double speed. Yeah, I'm sure you can. Or- and listen to it for three minutes instead of six minutes. The girl's an honest girl. The girl's an honest girl. Suddenly it's a slip jig. I think I'd probably like it better if it were that quick. This is my least favorite of the bonus tracks, I think, I would have to say. This, to me, is, is a song that I find myself very excited about and by. Really? Yes. I do actually like the music of it. Okay. Let's 
remember that it's a bonus track and not a fully produced studio studio track. Wait a second. I'm going <laughs> to... Yes. Yeah. Send that to Bruno Mars and let's get it republished. The chipmunk version. Yeah. I like the music. I agree that it doesn't come together as well as we're used to hearing, but it's a bonus track. It, it was never intended for that in this form. Mm-hmm. But musically, there every single person is doing some really incredible stuff. And lyrically, I find this fascinating. It's very un... <sighs> I don't, I didn't even know how to describe the lyrics here. Well, let's just not. Let's not. Okay, good. Good, 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 good. Let's break down some of the musical elements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got a lot of synth, a synth daydream going on here. Yes. Ian comes in eventually, uh, not too long, and we get a couple of good stings from PJV, and then we get the singing. And then we don't get anything else until about 53 seconds in when our bass comes in. It's not that she wants for anything. Bass comes in, we get Peggy for about just over 10 seconds, and that's when drums and Martin come in. And that Martin sting. I know. Oof. We're the frogs taking him across the river, and he just, he stings us on the back. And we say, why did you do it, Martin? He's because I'm a badass scorpion, and I can't change my ways. That's the most ridiculous and accurate way of describing his sound <laughs> that you could possibly use. <laughs> oh, yeah. There is something interesting about this, that everyone else on this track, including Ian, there is a little bit of a sense of, this is a practice version. We're professionals, <laughs> but it's a practice version. Yeah. And Martin is like, this is the last time I will ever play at Squirrel. <laughs> It's amazing. That's Martin's practice, actually. That's his practice level. He's, uh, it's just great. It's just great to hear him slanging that six string. That's right. He slangs it good. He, he does slang it. The At 135, the drums come back in with the slowest, sultriest Jerry Conway rhythm I've ever heard. Boom. Tsa. Tsa. <laughs> <laughs> She lives in hope and she shares a dream. It does feel a little like they all just ran a 10K and then they're just like, ah, Why yeah. do we have to practice this? Oh, my it. arms hurt. No extra energy. <laughs> 305 starts Martin's slow but really full guitar solo, which is really fun. At 3.30, there's a wonderful, yummy, discordant synth. We have Martin kind of going on, and then there's a kind of a brief maelstrom Mm. where Martin is playing one thing, and the synth comes in with a discordant series of gestures that takes us up to the next level of the song, which is, I find that so fun. I would love to hear this fully, fully produced. I'm sure that it was in a lot rougher shape before Steve Wilson got his hot little hands on it. Yeah, I'm sure. 
I think I'd probably enjoy it a little bit more were it cleaned up, were it maybe at a, at a, the tempo picked up a little bit. You know, just this is clearly not a finished product for Tall. It sounds like it could be a finished product. Oh, yeah. But for Tall, there's clearly like missing an element. So knowing that, I'm very intrigued to think of, about the trajectory where this song was going or could have gone, you know, when they before they decided to shelve it. If this was a fish song or a leftover salmon song, this would be the finished product. Oh, sure. And then it would last twice as long and just be <laughs> the repetition of there's an honest girl over and over yeah. Yeah. and over. Martin would, would spend seven minutes going, and all the audience would go, triplets, oh my God. <laughs> A little Philip Glass there, actually. So we do get a lot of repetition at the end. It's very reminiscent of Man of God. I don't know if you remember Man of God, but the end is just like a minute of him saying, I'm a man of God. Okay, sure. And frankly, sir, I don't like it. No, sir, I don't like it. The repetition kill kills me. <laughs> At 3.45, we have a lovely David Pegg bass moment of enthusiasm going on behind, <laughs> behind the scenes. <laughs> a bass moment of enthusiasm. A moment of bass enthusiasm, which okay, I had a lot of in, in college myself. Oh. Oh! Let's talk about the end of the solo, the end of the instrumental going back into the verse. There is an incredible build up and build up and build up. And this is one of the reasons why I think this slow tempo of the song actually works in some ways, mm. because we have that classic tall layering of ideas and, and feelings and values and concepts musically, where just when you think like, ah, this song couldn't possibly sustain another layer, they put another freaking layer on there. <laughs> And then when you're like, oh, my God, please, I'll tell you anything. I'll rat out all of my friends. And right at the perfect timing releases to that final verse. Just when you think you can't take anymore. Anything else to say musically, Nick? Just that the second half of each couplet. So, but lately I don't know and something has to go in the typist's pool all day, a little empty in its way. They all are sonically very, very, very similar to the sound of one of the lines in Dr. Bogan Broom. Interesting. If you could have this song covered, produced, at a full album professional level by any other artist or collaboration of artists mm. that does not include the members of Jethro Tull, who would you pick and why? To whom would you entrust the next level of this song? I think Nickel Creek could do a darn good job. Sarah Watkins could sing this very, very well. Oh, yes, she could. Yes, she could. That'd be tight. 
Yeah. And their their slow songs are still like there's no- noodles all over the place. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like an Italian kitchen Just in an earthquake. Infested with noodles. Yeah, yeah. I would I'd pass it off to Nickel Creek. What about you? Do you have somebody in mind? Yeah, i I don't know why. I would love to hear this being done as a collab between Sting and Shaggy. Did you just pick some names out of a hat for that or? No, they have an album together. It's called 44 slash 876. Very interesting. 44 is the country code for England and 876 is the country code for Jamaica. Oh, would you look at that? Straight from Jam down to London. There goes an honest girl She's going round and round She lives in hopes and shares a dream In the type of pool all day Wait till Sting comes in He's coming in any minute. Let me fast forward. Anyway, I think they could kill this song. Is it a whole album or just the song? It's a whole album. No shit. I may have to listen to that. It's great. It's really good I didn't stuff. enjoy anything of what I just heard, but I may have to listen to it. I have a self-flagellation appointment coming up, but I could squeeze this in right before. Yeah, you'd warm me up for that. I was looking for a song to listen to while I, while I stick hot needles under my fingernails. <laughs> while I continue to hate myself. <laughs> so here we are halfway through Omen. Last week, do you remember what we did on our halfway last week? Absolutely, I do not. We talked about some of the tracks that we've already covered, but some of the ones that oh, Ian has oh. written about. Yes, yes, yes. We talked Roland's entry and Califel slash return to Califel. We sure did. So this week, I think we should probably cover what's next in the line. Swirling Pit and Inverness Sleeper. Swirling Pit was the piece we listened to that has two versions. One is a more acoustic version and one has that weird blues start to it, doesn't it? No, no, that was Califel. Califel was the the like the the Spanishy one, and then with the acoustic guitar. What was this? The one that we also found that Fairport Convention had a version of. Yes. Okay, so there's. Oh a, yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah. The, Bavarian Celtic. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's Swirling Pit. And appropriate to bringing up Fairport Convention, this response is by David Pegg. Hmm. I must admit. I'd totally forgotten that Jethro Tull had recorded this, so I'm (laughs) delighted that it has been unearthed. I first recorded it for my solo album, The Cocktail Cowboy Goes It Alone, for which I also did a version of Jack Frost and the Hooded Crow. Oh, interesting. Which Jethro Tull had recorded for a possible track to Broadsword. I had great fun making the solo album on which I played all the instruments and, with the loan of Ian's vocoder, did all the vocals. The title of The Swirling Pit refers to that awful moment when you go to bed after one or several too many beers and everything starts spinning. 
Yeah. I've played it many times live with Fairport Convention, but we also played it live on the Broadsword Tour when I had to climb up to the poop deck of the stage's boat and play on Mando. Wow. Poop deck was sometimes a more than appropriate name, as occasionally the monitor wouldn't be working and the terror of inaudibility might have caused a nasty accident. Wow. Live, Peter Vitesi played fab keyboards, but on this studio version, Ian plays Great Whistle, and there's some very tasty Martin Bar guitar. I was also chuffed to hear it again after so many years, because I'm playing fretless bass on the first section, and it's more or less in tune. <laughs> that is so cool to hear from David Pegg, hear a little bit of his personality coming through. Yeah. And to hear reminiscings of the, of the tour. That's always a fun little treat. Right, yeah. Let's wrap up with Inverness Sleeper then, shall we? Our, our, our train song. Trains. 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 The one about taking the train up to Scotland. Scotland. And I'm assuming because this is not attributed that this is Ian speaking. Inverness Sleeper is an example of a song that started off with a different title. 850 to Nowhere. Okay. But when I came to record it, it had a chorus line saying Inverness Sleeper, so that became the title. I wrote, I stay awake with you till dawn because I could never sleep on the train like I can't sleep on an airplane or bus. Wow. The 8.50 of the working title referred to the departure time of the overnight train from London to Scotland, and the to nowhere was a reference to when you've been for a few hours in a pokey, rattling, clanging sleeper carriage, mm. and you stop at Crew Junction or somewhere in the middle of the night and are subjected to more bangs, crashes, and wallops. You feel that could actually be going anywhere. You could be going from Moscow to St. Petersburg on the slow train, mm. which is a journey you might want to do just the once. Hmm. Although they do have a very good fast service now, so it's a lot more comfortable than when I first went to Russia. That took a left turn there at the end. <laughs> right, yeah. Very much as we were thinking in our discussion of that song, a lot of the same themes. Yeah. One thing that Ian didn't mention, you know, with the when you stop somewhere in the middle of nowhere in, in the middle of the night and there's all that banging and, and creaking, mm -hmm. it always seems to come when you've just managed to fall halfway asleep. Right, yeah. The other fun thing that happens is, depending on the time of year, when those train doors open, you get hit with a blast of cold air from the outside. So it's like, especially if you're in Russia, yeah. Especially if you're in Russia, or perhaps if you're north of Hadrian's Wall as well. Scotland, yeah. Well, that is just fabulous. I'm so glad that you found those and had the wherewithal to read them here in this middle section. Nick, welcome back to the second half of our show. It is time to stock it up the Schleraksha. <laughs> Yes, we will do that. But before we do that, let's talk about the lyrics. Oh, all right. <laughs> Nick, so you have mentioned that the music of this song reminds you very much of Man of God. Mm -hmm. And also there was another one that you referenced. Yeah, Dr. Bogenbroom, just the sound of that one specific line. The lyrics of this song strongly remind me of the lyrics of like almost a continuation. This could be part two of another well-loved Jethro Tull song, and I want you to guess what I'm thinking of. Is it Pussy Willow? It's Pussy Willow! Mm-hmm. How'd you know? Did you have the same thought? I did, yeah. Now, why are we both reminded of Pussy Willow? Lest we forgot, lest we forget, Pussy Willow is a woman at her crappy day job fantasizing about a better life, or a different life, per se. Using fantasy as an escape. 
mm-hmm. from the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. Right. The slings and boredoms of outrageous fortune. And this is not identically the same, but it, like you said, it's kind of a continuation. It's like when Pussy Willow leaves work and has to stop at the store. Yeah, I mean, for me, this is really Pussy Willow Part 2. Yeah. She's gone a step beyond. Fantasy is no longer enough for her to get her fix, and so she has resorted to shoplifting. <laughs> just to feel something. <laughs> just, just so I can feel again. So that first verse is, like, she's clearly, like, stealing something, right? Yeah, she always was an honest girl, but lately I don't know. Now she walks through stores at closing time, and something has to go. She always was an honest girl But lately I don't know Now she walks through stores at closing time And something has to go I love that because Ian sings it in a particular, it's not, and something has to go, as in something must go. But she, something has to go. She has something to go from the store. She takes something. Okay. Is that how he breaks it up with the scansion? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, because he says has rather than has. Okay. I'm not sure I agree with, with that. <laughs> There's also no comma. Now she walks through stores at closing time and something has to go. Okay. I mean, I get what you're saying. That's my interpretation. I also like something has to go. She's obliged hmm. to do this. Something has to go. Yeah. And why not both? Porque no los dos. Chicken or pork? Yes, please. <sighs> And she's not stealing the rest of this verse. She's not stealing because she's poor. Yep. But also, it says she's n- she's not thieving for thieving's sake. Yeah, it's really interesting. So the lyrics read, it's not that she wants for anything or loves to thieve for thieving's sake. It's not that she wants for anything or loves to thieve So she's not doing it to support herself as Aladdin does Mm. to, you know, a loaf of bread to feed himself or as I did in France because I couldn't afford cheese. (laughs) And I felt like the, you know, the super, the huge supermarket wouldn't miss it. Statute of limitations. You're okay. Statute of limitations. (laughs) Thank you. It's a statue of limitations. Oh, yeah. It's a statue in France. People keep stealing bits off it. <laughs> or loves to thieve for thieving's sake, right? So what does that mean? See, that to me, that sounds like stealing for the thrill. But this line is saying she doesn't do it for that. That's where I'm yeah. really boggled. So it's not because she needs it, and it's not because she loves the act of stealing. Right. It's not to get a thrill out of it. The lyrics read, it's just a souvenir of someone else's affluence while there's something left to take, while there's something left to take, while there's something left to take. It's just a souvenir of someone else's affluence while there's something left to take. To me, it feels like a character where, and I think that the next verses get into this a little bit or potentially support this, but she feels like 
society has limited her in what she's able to get out of her life. Yeah, we definitely get that in the second verse, yeah. And so it's a little bit of an act of subversion of if society won't recognize me for my true value, I'm going to have to take that value from society. Right. If I can't earn it honestly, I will in some other way be compensated for that value. A great example. Do you remember I used to work at the at the Home Depot, which is a home improvement, big box store. They sell lumber, they sell tools and all that. Remember that? I do. For only about a year, right? You didn't, you didn't stay there that long. Felt like six. Yeah. Darkest time of my life. But the Home Depot and other similar big box stores have an incredible problem with theft. Oh, yeah. And it's not so much the customers. Really? It is a great deal of it is employee theft. After mm. I left, I ended up getting a call from a buddy of mine who worked there and he was like, oh, did you hear the drama? And I was like, no, what? He said that two guys who were, you know, seemed like nice stand-up, hardworking, you know, company bottom line and all that. What mm. <laughs> They got caught with a garage full of unopened power tools. Wow. And a high value items that they had been slowly taking home over the course of six months or so. Oof. And they got sloppy and tried to sell it to someone else who worked at the store. What? Yeah, not very clever. <laughs> Part of the reason there's such a high rate of employee theft is because the wages are so low. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, of course, some people are going to feel, well, I give so much to this company and they're not paying me for it, so I'm going to take what's what I'm worth. Yeah. And some people just steal things. And as the song says, there are different reasons for stealing. Right, yeah. Some people steal out of need, some people steal for the thrill of it, and some people steal because they feel that they're owed it. Yeah. And this is where we find Miss... P.W. Miss P.W. Next verse, she lives in hope and she shares a dream in the typist's pool all day. She lives in hope and she shares a dream. This is where we get more similar to Pussy Willow. Mm -hmm. She's at work fantasizing, getting through these things. And so she dresses well, but her life, it seems, a little empty in its way. She's at the ceiling for her salary. Though she dresses well, but her life, it seems, a little empty. being paid the most she can be paid for what she does. And though she never does the bosses down, feels like she's driving on a one-way roundabout. She's going round and round. Though she never does the bosses down, feels like she's driving on a one-way roundabout. She's going round and round. She's an exemplary employee. She gets paid as good as she can be paid, but there's no room for a raise. There's no room for a promotion. There's none of that. So she's at a dead end. Just to reference the specific lyrics from Pussy Willow, it's in the chorus. 
Pussy Willow down fur-lined avenue, brushing the sleep from her young woman eyes, runs from the train. Hear her typewriter humming, cutting mm. dreams down to size again. Pussy Willow down fur-lined avenue, brushing the sleep from her young woman eyes, runs from the train. Hear her typewriter humming, cutting dreams down to size again. the reference to typing and dreams in the same line that's a very feels a very direct parallel yeah absolutely so she dresses well but her life seems a little empty in its way so she's well healed perhaps literally and yet has a feeling of emptiness Mm. the phrase does the bosses down that i think is a very english that is a very british english phrase i believe i don't think we say to do someone down here in the States. Right. It's to let them down, right? I mean, basically, that's that's how, what our equivalent would be. I think it's more to criticize. I looked it up, and it. I think that oh. it's more along the lines of we would say to dress someone down. Mm. So she never badmouths the bosses. Exactly. She doesn't undermine gotcha. their authority. She doesn't seem like somebody who's dissatisfied. Yeah. She shows up. She does her job. She's a respected person. But she has this one weird thing that she does. Right. I mean, it's the everyday banality of an office job that is just, you're just a face. You're just a number, you know, and uh, you got to get your kicks. Yeah. So then we have the brilliant instrumental section. We have Martin's beautiful solo. When we move, as we talked about with that grand swelling up to the final verse she moves in a system closed and drawn amongst the late night shopping crowds closed and drawn makes me think of curtains right yeah so she moves in a system that has some opacity to it, whether she's the person who's closed and drawn or the system is closed and drawn. I'm not 100% sure. Oh, interesting. Yeah. She moves in a system. She is closed and drawn. I think so. Or she moves in a system, the system being closed and drawn. I think that it more is supported for the first version. She moves in a system yeah. closed and drawn among the late night shopping clouds and the salesmen fail to notice her. And the salesmen fail. She's like the, what do they call it? The gray man. Yeah, so she's closed and drawn because nobody has any suspicion about her kinks of stealing staplers. <laughs> she's got a thousand staplers stacked up in the bathtub at home. That's it. That's all she takes. That's so funny. The stapler turnover is very, very high. You're like, where are all of our staplers going? We don't sell that many staplers. <laughs> If we go back to this idea of society that she feels cheated in some way or let down by society, she's also using society, society's anonymity mm. to her advantage in this sense, that she's just another nameless face in the crowd. She's completely average. Yeah. Until she does something a little bit to stick out. She steps beyond anonymity here. Picks up a fallen purse and hands it in at the checkpoint to the outside world. Picks up a fallen purse and hands it in 
at the checkpoint to the outside world. That is, for me, perhaps the most interesting turn of phrase in this entire song, at the checkpoint to the outside world. What do you make of that? Yeah. Well, it's like, I mean, it's this, I guess it would be the register, you know? Okay, so literally, you've got the inside world of the store and the outside world, and the register is the checkpoint. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, it could just be the threshold itself as well. But I mean, her handing it in there makes it feel like there's a, a manager station or something there, you know? It's not terribly common in the States to have like a manager desk right at the entrance. So I would say more likely a cashier or something. Or, you know, in a big city in New York, there may be a guard. Oh, that's true. A yeah. security guard right at the door. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's valid. I actually had interpreted it slightly differently. I had interpreted it as she has her internal world. And maybe I'm projecting too much Pussy Willow onto the song. Mm -hmm. But if she's drifting on another cloud and is curtains drawn and all this, mm -hmm. she has her internal world the act of interacting with another person is a checkpoint to the outside world. This is like a, wait a minute, let me check my values and interact with somebody. If she just wanders through and, and shoplifts, she doesn't have to do that. She can bypass that checkpoint. No, I'm just browsing. Right. That's interesting. But if she has to say, hey, I think someone dropped this, she's checking mm -hmm. in with the outside, with the world outside of herself. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. And then, and as a souvenir, she keeps the words... She hears them say, there goes an honest girl. Wow. And that's a parallel to that line in the first verse. It's just a souvenir of someone else's affluence while there's some left to take. Wow. So if you were writing a college essay on uh, mm. comparing and contrasting the song to itself, what would you, what, what would you make of this? That, you know, in one instance, she takes a souvenir, a physical souvenir as a representation of the affluence she doesn't have access to. Mm -hmm. And on another hand, she's taking the souvenir of recognition of her supposed virtue. Right. And how people perceive her. Right. So there's, I think there are a couple layers here as we are wants to experience with Ian she gets no credit or recognition or affection or anything at work. Mm -hmm. So she gets it here. You know, she, she seizes that opportunity. But also, this tells us she doesn't just want to steal. She's not going to shark this person's money out of their purse. That would be wrong. Oh, but to take from like a big box, yes, a big box store, like stores have insurance for a reason, you know, they, they write off shit that gets stolen all the time because shit gets stolen all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost, yeah. They build into it. It's expected and understood. Absolutely. So it is one of those, I mean, it's a gray area, but it, it is one of those victimless crimes when people steal cheese in France, I mean, those, those shops Allegedly. go out of business. Those shops go out of business. <laughs> but that was, but that was always my thing. I would never, like I went to the marketplace all the time. Yeah. And I wouldn't have dreamed of taking one euro's worth of parsley from my grocer. Yeah. Because I know how slim a margin he's operating under. Yeah. The unnamed, like literally the biggest retailer in France, I don't give a shit. Yeah. And maybe I should. You know, maybe we should all recognize corporations as as people. 
I think our government <laughs> does, so why can't we? But that's that's a demonstration of her values because she doesn't. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. If she were to keep the purse, she wouldn't be screwing over society. She would be screwing over another individual, right? Who may be in the exact same situation that she's in. Who may be another honest girl, another honest pussy willow. Yeah. So this goes from that, like leading up to that point, this is, this is Pussy Willow 2.0. Until that point where we see it's not just straight fantasy, there is a moral level here. It's just kind of, it's just an incidental tack on at the end, but it really does add another level. To me, this feels like a song about someone who is reduced to radical acts in order to preserve their own humanity in the face of a society which pushes everyone to be cogs in a machine. Yeah. Heart of the machine. Heart of the machine. Right, yeah. And I think I think you, you joked about it earlier that she steals just to feel something, but I mean, that's not an uncommon thing to, you know, the, to feel a bit of thrill if you go home to your crappy studio apartment and you get up and you, you lather, rinse, repeat day after day, the exact same thing. Like maybe you steal a pack of gum and then a stapler and, and, uh, and a, some cheese and then <laughs> hand in this purse, you know, like, oh, someone could re- really miss this purse. It's almost, I mean, she's not Robin Hooding it. She's not stealing from the rich and giving to the poor. No. But there is a moral justification for her actions. She's getting one over on the society that has put her down yep, or put her in a box that has got her on this roundabout going round and round in circles. Yeah. And she also can act in a morally correct way when it comes to another individual. It's interesting, you know, and, and, and again, this is what, this is the reason we're so drawn to these songs and the reason we have a freaking podcast talking about this poetry, because it's not, you know, ooh, she's a bad girl and she'd like to steal. Hmm. Right. It's, she has a complex system of values which guide her actions, and sometimes that involves stealing, and sometimes that involves returning a purse to the authorities, because both of those things are correct in the somewhat contradictory yeah. antisocial worldview that she has developed internally, while externally being a perfectly good and honest, better than average member of society as perceived from the outside. Wow. Do you want to hear my cheese stealing technique? I've been waiting so long to hear this omen. Allegedly. Allegedly. In France, it's very common for everybody to have what we in the States would call like a granny wagon. Like a little rolly basket? Yes, exactly. A little rolly basket. And because space is at such a premium in France and because it's not a, it's not really a car culture. Mm-hmm. But you use it both for taking your groceries from the store to your home, mm. but also it acts as your grocery cart when you are there. Right. And they often fold. They fold up so when you're home, you can stick it behind, you know, next to the fridge or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was desperately poor at this time. You know, this is you have to understand. I, I truly was just trying to get a few extra grams of protein into my diet while I was doing backflips all day at school. <laughs> So at the bottom, it's fabric, and then it has the frame underneath it. And inside, there is a little plastic square that allows you to set things on it so you're not setting it directly on the fabric, which is then only supported by this kind of pipe system. Yeah. So it's just, it's a, it's a bottom. But in the one that I got, that was removable. 
Right. And so what I would do, you know, around the corner before I'd, I would unfold the thing and just put it from a flat position to a standing upright position at the back of the of the little carriage. And it's and it's a fabric one, so you know you can't see into it unless you look down into it. Mm-hmm. So then I would go first and foremost to the cheese aisle, and I would examine the cheeses and I would find the flattest. The biggest but flattest cheese <laughs> that I could find. A small amount of it, but but flat, flat, flat as possible. And the most expensive that I could find, obviously. You know, the best. Naturally. And I would put it in, and then I would go to the chocolate aisle, and I would get one bar of chocolate, and I would, and I would put it in. And, and as I put it in, or when I would put the next item in, maybe it was rice, I would, in one motion, put it in and also fold down the plastic flap. And so then when I was getting all my stuff out at the, at the register, I would, you know, get my, my can of chickpeas and my can of tomatoes and my rice, all the, you know, very cheapest items that I was subsisting off of. Uh-huh. And then you'd look in the cart and it was empty. Like a magic trick. And then you, when the, the cashier was looking in your empty cart, you would punch them and grab some rice, <laughs> grab some cheese and chocolate <laughs> off the shelf and then run out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I also looked nice and... I looked like a nice young man. I looked like an honest girl. That's the key. That's the key. You have to look like somebody who no one would ever suspect of committing a crime. Right. Yeah. That's the key. It's all about appearance, whether it's physical or attitude. You, if you just walk out confidently. like Yes. I used society's own prejudices and assumptions against society to my favor. Good. Well-deserved. Omen. Nick. Next week is the last of our broadsword bonuses before we dive into Rock Island. Finally, we're getting back to the timeline after next week. Next week, we are talking about the entertainer of my sleepy time, DJ Dream. Wicked, wicked. Until next week, I am a souvenir of everyone's affluence. I am Nick McGill. I am at the ceiling for my thievery, Omen Thomas said. I promise you we are not driving on a one-way roundabout, even though it sounds like it. (laughs) We are the feckless moms. And we've never done our bosses down because we don't have any. This is Talk Tell to Me. Can't say we haven't tried though. <laughs> Bing bong. Mm-hmm. Remember, shoppers, there is a special today on asparagus. Get it for thropping off before it turns to mush. Bing bong. <laughs> The store will be closing in six and a half minutes. Please bring your purchases to the front. Ooh, I I better go. Oh, excuse me there, young lady. Excuse me there. Yes?
Well, have you checked out there, young lady? Oh, I, uh, I decided not to get anything. Oh, just browsing, I see. Just browsing. Just browsing. I've forgotten your face already. Perfect. Perfectly honest, I am. You have the most forgettable visage I've witnessed in these weeks. That is very flattering of you, thank you. Oh, excuse me, excuse me. I noticed that you have a strange frozen turkey-shaped lump underneath your petticoat. May I uh, question you about that? Sir, I am with child and I will not be treated in such a manner. I'm so sorry. I don't know what came over me. <laughs> I have the DTs and <laughs> my boss has told me I have to catch a certain number of thieves this week or I'm out of a job. I, I, I apologize. I apologize. Please, please go on. It's forgivable. Oh, I, I can't help uh, but notice. Mm? Uh, you seem to have, you seem to be carrying a dog leash, which extends back into our meat aisle. Correct. My emotional support dog is still sniffing the, the prime ribs. If you tell me that I can't have my emotional support dog in here, then I will have to go to the ACLU. I'm so sorry, madam. I'm so sorry. I, uh, we have a fully supportive policy of emotional support animals here. I, I did not realize. I thought we had, we had someone attach a rope to a case of sausages last week. I'm just extra paranoid. That's absurd. At least attach it to a ham. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one, one more question. Sure, sure. Of course. I noticed that you are, and please, you know, this is just Completely store policy. You seem incredibly trustworthy. I would give you cash right now for no reason. But I do notice that you are pushing an entire cart full of our most expensive bottles of champagne out the door that you have not paid for. Just wanted to check in on that. Correct. Correct. I mean, I do not blame you. The uh, That's a good eye. Good eye you've got there. Yeah. Yeah. But this is actually going on the tab of the oh. uh, of of the podcast. Talk told to me they they oh. said that they wrote in. It's oh. on their tab. Oh, of oh my god! Oh, of course your your uh, your HG that they told us were coming. Oh my! Correct. Well, please, Correct. I am not going to follow up on that because we play Talk Told to Me every night over the loudspeakers. Perfect for our restockers. Oh, that's very nice of you. Very considerate. Yeah. Well, g you know what? Take an extra couple of bottles. Uh, just oh, wow. For, for the boys over there at Talk Tell to Me. I absolutely will. I They will appreciate that because they are a proud member of, of the Feckless Moms Audio Network. Bong, bong. The store is now closed. Get ready to party with the Feckless Moms after hours. Oh, man. Not again. <laughs> Bop, bop, bop. <laughs>